Will you pray with me? God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations on all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've always thought that the Palm Sunday processional was such a, an interesting way to start Holy Week. It seems that the idea for Palm Sunday sprang out of some texts, some prophetic texts in the Hebrew Scriptures. But we also know that in some ways Jesus was kind of mimicking an ancient Roman practice of a triumphal procession that would occur after a particularly successful military campaign. And we're pretty sure that he was trying to mimic these. And, and a Roman triumphal parade was only, only occurred at the uh, ordinance of the government at the time, whether that was the Republic or the Empire, and they would declare it a special day in the city of Rome. Uh, it, it might be similar to giving somebody the keys of the city today. And the general who had this sex, successful campaign would get adorned with a laurel wreath, which was a special honor, and he, it would be he, would be dressed in purple robes with gold trim. And he would be set upon either an amazing horse or a, a chariot pulled by a team of horses. And behind him in the parade would lined up would be the captives that he had taken, and they would be carrying the items that he had stolen as booty from whatever military campaign this was. And they would throw the gates of Rome open and they would march through the city and people would be cheering and so excited that this Roman general had either protected the current borders of the Roman Empire or expanded them. And this would be time for rejoicing. So crowds gathered to welcome Jesus into Jerusalem in much the same way and they shouted Hosanna, which we actually think means save us. It's coming from some Hebrew words. We're not exactly sure, but scholars think they were saying save us to Jesus. And they were greeting him as a military ruler might. The thing is, he hadn't really conquered anything yet. They were looking forward to that day when they would be free from the Roman oppression. And Jesus, instead of a laurel wreath, had palm fronds. And instead of riding on a horse, he rode on a donkey. And instead of wearing beautiful purple garb with gold trim, he wore his everyday clothing, we believe. He was sort of poking fun at the Roman tradition. The crowd saw him as the Messiah or the anointed king who was going to free them, but he was coming in there not as a king, not at all as a king. The crowds, once again, didn't get it. So when we reenact this palm processional and we line our children up, I kind of get a giggle out of that. Like, what are we doing with that? I'm not quite sure. We're completely misunderstanding, I think the fun that Jesus was poking at this situation. But at the same time, so did all of his followers from that day. We're just joining right in. 
And we seem to have a knack for misunderstanding things in scripture. We've been doing it for 2,000 years. And this scripture passage that Valencia read today so beautifully is another one that's been misunderstood. This idea of dominion, and we hear it and we think military conquering, that's what we're supposed to be doing, is conquering. And people thought the earth was ours to conquer and subdue. The Hebrew word is radah. And we know that it means to have dominion or rule or dominate. But how one person thinks we should rule a country is very different from another. And if you don't believe me, I think you can look at Washington and our major political parties and see a difference in opinion. We're still trying to figure out what Rada means, especially in our context as God's created beings. I think we've figured out some of the things that it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to hunt a population into extinction. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to poison the ground and the water and the air. It doesn't mean that we should remove all the gas and coal that we want from the earth and expect nothing to happen. It's been really interesting listening to people talk about this series in our church on dominion and stewardship and creation and what it means. We have a really passionate group that is ready to sign us all up, to take signatures, to rally us, to help us move into more green behavior. And we've also got some quieter voices who have said, I can't even think about what we're doing to the earth because it hurts so much, it makes me depressed. And I've even heard some few, a few voices saying, I'm not sure I really believe that we've hurt the earth and that there are problems out there. So we've got quite a span, even in this room, sitting in this sanctuary. When we talked about what to do for a study in adult deepening, we were a little concerned that maybe it wouldn't be something everyone would want to enroll in. Do we, do we want to enroll in a study on stewardship and greening up the community? How would people all feel about that? We wrestled with that for a long time. During this series, we've heard comments like, I don't come to worship to feel guilty or to feel depressed, but that's what's happening over and over and over again. And I get it. This topic is so massive and feels so beyond our control as one person. How do we do this green thing? and still not feel like we've done nothing. There's a story I read from a blog recently that I want to share part of it with you about a woman who felt just like this, and I thought she expressed it really well. She said, in line checking out at the grocery store, a young cashier suggested to a much older lady that she should bring her own reusable grocery bags because plastic bags are not good for the environment. The woman apologized to the young girl and explained, we didn't have this green thing back in my earlier days. And the young clerk responded, that's our problem today. Your generation didn't care enough to save our environment for the future. The older lady said she was right. Our generation didn't have the green thing in its day and she went on to explain, 
Back then, we returned milk bottles and soda bottles and beer bottles to the store. The store sent them back to the plant to be washed and sterilized and refilled so it could use those same bottles over and over again. So they really were recycled, but we didn't have the green thing back then. We walked upstairs because we didn't have an escalator in every store and office building. We walked to the grocery store and we didn't climb into a 300 horsepower machine every time we had to go two blocks. But she was right, we didn't have that green thing back then. Back then we had one TV or radio in the house, not a TV in every room. In the kitchen we blended and stirred by hand because we didn't have electric machines to do everything for us. When we packaged a refragile item to send in the mail, we used wadded up old newspapers to cushion it, not styrofoam or plastic bubble wrap. But we didn't have the green thing back then. We drank from a fountain when we were thirsty instead of using a cup or a plastic bottle every time we had a drink of water. We refilled writing pens with ink instead of buying a new pen. And we replaced the razor blade in our razor instead of throwing away the whole razor just because the blade got dull. But we didn't have that green thing back then. It's not just a generational issue, I think. And if anybody wants that blog, let me know. I can send it to you. I just took snippets. But when I've talked to young mothers especially, and heard them say, I am doing everything I possibly can. I can't take on one more thing. And they feel guilty about that. And it took me back to a time in my own life. I was living in the um, northern San Francisco area, a, an area known for its green uh, behaviors. In fact, they may have even invented it. And I had a little baby, newborn. And my family was 3,000 miles away, so I didn't have a lot of help. I had lots of hormones that I didn't understand going through me, just like every mother does after birth. And uh, I was pretty overwhelmed. But I was sorting through the mail one day, and I came upon a coupon from Pampers for disposable diapers. And I set it aside. And I came upon another coupon, and it was for a free month of cloth diaper service. And I set that one aside. And then there was this flyer. I still don't know how they get the names of new mothers, but they somehow do. And it was a flyer from the Sierra Club. And it's, it talked about how disposable diapers are filling our landfills at enormous rates. Don't use them, they're horrible. And don't use cloth diapers either because the chemicals are poisoning our lakes and our streams. And I stood there with this little baby who needed a diaper, <laughs> thinking, what am I supposed to do? And I'm sure it wasn't, you know, it was hormones and everything else that just had me in tears thinking, I'm ruin I am ruining the planet with my beautiful baby. What am I supposed to do? So we all get that overwhelmed nature of, I can't do one more thing. But one of the things that's encouraged me as I've heard people talking about the Lenten study, people who had expressed feelings of being overwhelmed by this series, said there was this chapter, a Buddhist chapter, and I didn't read it, I apologize, it's on my shelf, I hope to get to it, but I will paraphrase what they said. This Buddhist chapter talked about just increasing our awareness is enough. That just taking that step to understand a little bit more about what we're doing to the earth is enough, according to this Buddhist author. 
And as a staff, we've been grappling with this issue as well. We were sitting around at lunch this week, and we were actually comparing who had the more green lunch, <laughs> who had less disposable waste at the end of the meal. I argued that my orange peels were, were, were okay. <laughs> but we were talking about it, and, and whether we can really make a dent with our own personal behavior. And one person on the staff said, you know, I think at this point there's nothing we can do. It's going to take a miracle to change what's going on with the earth. And my first thought was, well, thank God. We're in the miracle business here, aren't we? So even just look at this Holy Week. We start with Palm Sunday, the biggest misunderstanding out there. We sing Hosanna saying, save us. We don't really know or understand what Jesus was trying to do. But how does Holy Week end? It ends with Easter and the miracle of resurrection. It ends well. And I really believe in my heart that just this, this amazing theme that we've had during Lent, thanks especially to our UP Green team, our awareness has increased. If, you've, if this is your first time in this church and the first time you knew we had this theme going through Lent, you have made a difference. If you attended the Lenten study even just once, you made a difference. If you bought the book and put it on your shelf like me and you're hoping to get to it, you made a difference. And I really believe that these tiny baby steps, just as our Buddhist author contributed, are going to contribute to the awareness of the world. So I invite you to take this with you, this increase of awareness. Maybe share it with somebody else out there. Increase their awareness. And this week, as we eagerly await the miracle of resurrection, I invite you to think about the miracle of awareness of what our earth is, what is happening on our earth and to our earth. I think all of us can contribute to the miracle of the resurrection of this earth together. Amen. And the choir is now going to give you the opportunity to think some more about this as they share with us a musical piece that highlights all of the passages that we have heard during this campaign. 